Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By. And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to... A signature win for the Denver Nuggets, 113-107 against fellow title contender Milwaukee Bucks, debuting their brand new head coach, Doc Rivers. Um, before we dive in, as you can tell, my voice is very weak. I've uh, been fighting something off for quite some time. It's caught up with me. Uh, I think I'm going to have to take some time off from work starting tomorrow. Uh, but we are uh, dedicated to this podcast and are going to knock it out. We're, we're playing hurt. We're, we're doing what Joel Embiid didn't do uh, on Saturday in, in Ball Arena, okay? Um, we'll get back to the Embiid stuff and how the NBA uh, MVP odds have seriously shifted in the last 72 hours to a degree that I don't think I have ever seen that didn't relate to a season-ending injury. We'll circle back to that because the more um, relevant and recent game was a win over Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dame Lillard, the revamped Bucks, uh, really the, the the new look Bucks debuting in Denver um, with their new head coach Doc Rivers for the first time. A couple thoughts here <coughs> is that um, one, you know, really concerning start, right? Like r- right from the outset, it was like, oh my goodness, is this team um, not ready to play again? And they bounce back in such a serious way, and you credit the bench, the maligned bench that we've been talking about throughout the year, one of the biggest storylines of this Nuggets season. Do they have a championship-caliber bench? The answer has been no, but there's time left to grow before the games really matter this spring, and I thought the bench was mostly fantastic. Um, when you look at uh, Christian Brown, um, even though he did not uh, – score it well he was active and he was that uh disruptive defender uh and on the glass so while not making shots he only took one I thought Christian Brown actually played well um Reggie Jackson made some shots Peyton Watson continues to be a revelation on both ends of the floor one of my favorite developing storylines we've talked about it I believe three straight episodes now uh, Peyton Watson has been fantastic in his first uh, season as an everyday player second season in the NBA, and I thought that bench bailed a, a, a Nuggets out. Uh, they got down, I think it was 16 to seven or something like that, and it was uh, a little bit concerning of a start. Bench uh, rallied, and uh, and then the starters responded in kind to the bench, which is unusual but very welcomed. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game, and there's a few of them, um, Jokic, another triple-double. Jamal was fantastic. We'll talk about both those guys in a second. But defensively, uh, Denver uh, looked like a championship-caliber defense again. And when I see that, like I like we saw it a couple weeks ago against the Boston Celtics, we see it against Milwaukee, it's so encouraging. And it's resetting for me of if they're who they are offensively and that version of themselves defensively, especially when it matters the most in the clutch. Denver has the best clutch defense in the NBA once again, which was a hallmark of of um, that side of the court a year ago. You look at the season-long big-picture numbers, it doesn't tell that story, but we know that in the long course of an NBA season, there's context. 
You use your eyes. What does it look like when the game hangs in the balance? They clearly become a incredible version of themselves when the moment gets larger uh, and, and, and the best version of themselves defensively, of course, we're talking about here. Um, and that goes for Aaron Gordon. That goes for um, uh, 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 Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, that goes for Nikola Jokic. I thought those three guys specifically were sensational defensively. Yes, I do put Jokic in that category. I th- I think Jokic's game defensively has um, totally morphed from caterpillar to butterfly over the last four or five years. I mean, this guy, while he's never going to be among the league leaders in shots, that's not who he is. Um, he has become... Uh, very, very solid. And then you see in moments um, on Monday night against Milwaukee, uh, a couple weeks ago against Boston, uh, where there's moments of like, oh, wow, he's he's better than solid. Remember uh, in the Boston game, there's a moment um, uh, Christoph Porzingis is trying to take him off the dribble from the wing, corner wing, and he just could not get up. Pass Jokic, frustrating. Um, a Porzingis. There's a moment down the stretch in clutch time where Drew Holiday is trying to run pick and roll and could not get around Nikola Jokic. Yesterday, one of the final possessions, I think it was the final possession of the first half. His defense on Giannis, like it, it is, it is actually elite in moments. Okay, it's not going to be the course over of a season or even a game, but in moments, it's elite. And when you're that good offensively and you have other great um, perimeter defenders around you, Aaron Gordon, KCP, um, that's all you need from Jokic is those moments. And I'm so impressed of who this team has been and uh, continues to be when the game hangs in the balance. And when I say clutch, that's under five minutes when the game is within five points. Okay, Denver has the best defense in the NBA in those circumstances. So that is wildly encouraging through a championship lens because that's what it's going to take this spring. Um, and, and in that regard, uh, I don't want to get carried away overreacting to a regular season game in a vacuum and then um, drawing a straight line to a seven-game series. But I do want to say, after watching Milwaukee earlier this year and throughout the year, um, watching who they were against Denver, they don't strike fear into me. You respect them. There's a past champions on that team, starting with Giannis. Um, but they do not, they do not strike fear. They are not good enough defensively, at least this current stage. They are not good enough defensively to, I think, truly compete for a championship. They've been one of the worst defenses in the sport all year long. Okay. All year long have been on the, one of the worst, look at the raw numbers, the advanced numbers, they scream it. Okay. And I, I don't think, you know, going from Drew Holiday to, um, Dame Lillard, the team got any better defensively. I think this team is going to struggle to get stops, especially against uh, an elite team like Denver. And then when Denver buckles down, I just I, I think it would be prob- a problematic NBA Finals for the Milwaukee Bucks. I say that with caution and respect, but that's truly how I uh, how I how I see it. Um, I want to move along here. Um, uh, I want to give a, a individual shout out uh, to Contavious Caldwell Pope defensively. I thought what he did in large stretches of that game to Dame Lillard. I mean, to 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 hold Dame to what is he, he scored eighteen points? I believe it was. Uh, let me just double check. Yeah, eighteen points on five for thirteen shooting. That is a rough night. 
and one third of those points came at the free throw line where he was a perfect six for six. That's best case scenario uh, for Dame Lillard. Uh, and I just think KCP deserves the lion, uh, lion's share of that credit. And then defensively for Dame, him trying to slow down Jamal Murray in the spots that he did, pack a lunch, dude, like this present day 2024 version of Jamal and Dame, that's not going to go well for Dame Lillard if he's not scoring 35, 40 points a game to try to cross-cancel Jamal. So that's turned into a really rough matchup, okay? Um, but big shout-out to KCP, big shout-out to Aaron Gordon, um, uh, for for their defense the other big story of the game big picture takeaway is uh, Jamal Murray you know this was a big game and Jamal showed up go figure this is who that guy is okay um, you look at uh, Jamal Murray's January we talked about this on uh, the most recent episode he is on a tear he's now scored 30 points five times this year and four of them have been in the month of january 35 against milwaukee 31 on the road at indiana 35 in another big game in boston 37 against detroit he's averaging um, over 24 points a month in the month of january that's up from 21 points a game in december and just 12 points a game uh, in the month of uh, November, okay, which is uh, not exactly fair because there was that two-point game against the Bulls where he got hurt. But even go back to October where he averaged 20 points a game, this is by far his best month of the season. This um, It's not perfect. You know, we talk about the ebbs and flows of Jamal and the lack of consistency. That's still a topic of conversation. But it's just another layer of validation. When the lights are bright, you have another title-contending team, another MVP candidate, coming into your building feels like a big game um, and Jamal answers in kind so I, I just absolutely love to see it from Jamal Murray um, I thought he was fantastic <coughs> um, and mentioned uh, looking at my notes here if you're watching us on YouTube and if you are like subscribe leave a comment um, and turn the alerts on so you never miss a video um, but uh, Dame cannot guard um, uh, uh, Jamal Murray Malik Beasley cannot guard Jamal Murray. That would be a problematic matchup in a seven-game series should these teams meet uh, in the NBA Finals. Um, uh, oh, oh, I, want, I wanted to mention this too. Jamal Murray scored 35 points while not hitting a three. That is unusual to the point where, and I don't know this to be true, but I would almost like bet that Jamal Murray has never scored 35 or more without making a single three-pointer. That is noteworthy. Look at the other games this month where he scored 30 or more. He made three threes against the Pacers in the game that we just quoted. He made three threes against the Celtics uh, in that outing that we just quoted. In the uh, game against Detroit, he made three threes um, where, on the night that he scored uh, 37. So... Um, and are we missing one more game in there? Yeah, no, we covered it. So, uh, yeah, for him not to make a three and get to 35 points, I'd be willing to bet that's the first time in his career that's happened. 35 is a lot of freaking points, and one of the hallmarks uh, of Jamal's game is knocking down shots from the outside. So that, to me, was just uber impressive and uh, deserved mention. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, another triple-double for Nikola Jokic, his NBA-leading 14th triple-double. How about this, though? He had a triple-double before the fourth quarter started. They said on the Altitude broadcast that it was the 38th time in Jokic's career that he locked up a triple-double 
before the fourth quarter started. That had my jaw on the freaking floor. That is in an insane niche stat that doesn't take a doctorate a degree to uh, to understand how absurd that is. Um, also, you look at um, the final score. The Nuggets win one thirteen to one hundred seven. But look at look at the um, numbers from three. The Denver Nuggets made four total three-pointers. They went four of 18, one of their worst shooting performances of the season from the outside, just 22% from three. If you told me before tip-off that that was going to be the case, I would have bet a whole bunch of money on the Milwaukee Bucks and would have lost. It's really hard to win a game in today's NBA going four for 18 from three, especially when your competition shot six, uh, made 16 threes. Uh, and, and attempted 39. So that's over 40% from three for the Bucks, and about half that for Denver, and Denver won. Like, that is that is insane. So you have a couple statistical anomalies with uh, Jamal Murray as an individual and uh, not making a three and getting 35 points, but the Denver Nuggets uh, beating a team like Milwaukee, um, making half uh, from a percentage standpoint from three, and then one quarter of the total threes that the Bucks made. Um, what was uh, the difference? Look at the points in the paint. The Bucks just had 26 points in the paint, and the Denver Nuggets had 58 points in the paint compared to the Bucks' 26. So there's the um, kind of that math cross cancelization um, cancellation there. Um, what else did I want to get to here? Um, bu- 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 talked about Peyton Watson. Um, let's let's move forward um, off the actual uh, substance of the game. Talk about a couple fun things here. There's three things I want to get to on the way out. One, just a funny thing: the way that the Denver Nuggets crowd was counting Giannis's free throw um, second allotment. When you go to the line, you have 10 seconds to shoot the free throw. Giannis has, by far and away, the longest free throw routine that I have ever seen. I think it's unhealthy, actually, going back to my own playing days. when you, If you're not a great free throw shooter, which Giannis is not, you to sit there for the entirety of your 10-second allotment, that's just gives you more time to think and process. I think it's silly. I think he needs a new routine over the summer, which is going to take thousands and thousands and thousands of shots to break the old routine. Um, but the thing is, the refs allow him more time than he's allotted. No one else would be able to do that. And I like Giannis. This is not a personal thing. I really like Giannis. He, at least he shows up and plays and answers the bell, right? Um, but... When, when the crowd starts chanting it, they're going, one, two. I've never seen that. I've never seen that in an NBA game. And Jokic is lobbying to the official. He's taking more time than is allotted. And the officials called it. They called it. I've never seen it. I'm sorry my voice is on the fritz here, folks. Um, but they actually called it, and they took a free throw off the board. I was like, whoa. Did small justice right it was just so funny and then and then and then and then you know what i'm doing at home i got my phone out i got my iphone and i'm timing this freaking dude and i timed one of the free throws at 12.8 seconds he almost took 13 seconds that that was a free throw that they didn't call hilarious bookmark it um funny stuff within the nba season 
Um, I want to give a, so the second thing I wanted to get to here of the three on the way out here is Michael Malone winning his 400th game uh, as coach of the Denver Nuggets. Just so cool. Um, you know, Malone um, has been the perfect coach for this organization. And he is the greatest coach in the history of the organization. Okay. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, I don't need the, um, I don't need the uh, official record to, to be Malone's to know that he's the greatest coach in the history of the organization, but he'll have that record soon enough. Okay. He is just now 32 wins behind Doug Moe for most in Nuggets history. Um, so once he gets there, which will be like, I don't know, November next year or whatever it is, um, it'll be nice that it'll be unequivocal. The only coach that brought a championship to Denver and he's the all-time wins leader. Really, really cool. George Carl, believe it or not, is in between Malone and Doug Moe right now, 23. So Malone has 400 wins. George Carl has 423 and then right above Carl is Doug Moe at 432. So uh, what a great run for Michael Malone, and it'll get even better uh, if they can win another championship, and I truly believe that they're going to. I've never talked this bullish about a Denver sports team in the seven years that I've been talking about Denver sports, and um, I felt it in, in every piece of my fiber a year ago um, came true. I feel it just the same, barring devastating injury I do believe this team is gonna uh, have another parade in Denver Colorado now if that's uh, if that takes place man I, I cannot wait to be there for it again and then lastly <clears throat> on the way out here um, the MVP odds guys I have not seen MVP odds shift as dramatically in 72 hours with a non-season ending injury okay I just can't think of it and, and I've been following the stuff for I don't know the sports gambling side, probably about 15 years. Um, I don't have another frame of reference like this. Let's recap it real quick. On Saturday morning, Joel Embiid is su such a favorite to win MVP. Uh, if you bet a dollar to win it, Embiid f to win MVP, it wins about a dollar. Okay, so if you if you bet a hundred dollars on Joel Embiid to win the MVP Saturday morning, and he ended up winning it, you'd get your hundred dollar stake back plus a hundred dollars in winnings. Um, that's one-to-one, -one, right? He was almost one-to-one at -one every single sports book. He misses the game, and the odds flip. And Jokic was second with um, Giannis and Shea Gildress-Alexander, like third and fourth. He misses the game. Embiid on Monday morning is like three-to-one. So from one-to-one to, one to three-to-one, and Jokic was like side-by-side, 50-50. Side, it was like... Giannis and Jokic were neck and neck, same odds, right? Then Embiid, and we know the NBA's new game requirement, you have to play in 65 games in order to win an award, all right, or be all pro. And it's working. That rule is working. Kawhi Leonard has started every game for the Clippers this year. I mean, he's the king of load management. It's working, okay? Good rule change. But Embiid has already missed time for injury. Right, so real injury. I think he missed, I don't know what it was, eight, eight, nine games or whatever it was. So now he misses the game against Denver. He's got six games left to burn. Then he missed the game on Monday night as well. That means he's left with five games to burn or he's disqualified for the award. Guys, depending on what sports book you look at. So if you look at DraftKings, Embiid is now outside of the top two. 
if you look at Superbook Sports, which has been around since the mid-early 90s in Vegas, they now have Embiid at 10-1 to 1 and outside of the top four candidates to win the award. Jokic is leading the field, followed by SGA, Luka in Dallas, and Giannis. They're all now ahead of Embiid. Embiid was, like, felt like it was lapping the field just Saturday. We're recording on Tuesday. Never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. And he's got two things working against him. He's got the narrative that he ducked Jokic in Denver again for the fourth straight year, which I believe he could have played. But if you, you can't miss the game in Denver and then play 24 hours later in Portland. So he, now then he's got to miss the game in Portland to validate that it was bad enough that he missed it in Denver. So you have the narrative now working against you. And you're burning the games. You're burning the allotment of games that you can miss. Hysterical. I am so here for it. I have tried to do the high road. I'm, I'm in the mud now. I'm back in the mud of the MVP race. I, and I'm, I'm getting dirty. But I love it. I love it. I want it all. I want Jokic to win the regular season MVP. I want the Nuggets to win the championship. I want Jokic to win the finals MVP. And to re-kickstart discussions where Jokic is among the greatest players of all time. Okay, we're going to leave it there for now, guys. Um, thank you so much for making us a small part of your day. Forgive me for my voice. Hopefully we are back on Thursday um, and uh, continue to uh, cover what I believe is a championship season in the making. Uh, the Nuggets' next game is on the road at the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is going to be on Wednesday night. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about it right here on the Miles Mile High Hoops podcast.